get in there now is going to come out later. And I tell you, according to the Word of God, when Scripture is given out, it does not return void. Now, you can give all the testimonies you want to give, but I'm telling you, when you put the Word of God out, it comes back and accomplishes what God set it out to accomplish. So thank you so much, guys. It's wonderful, wonderful. Uh, turn, if you would, to the book of Isaiah. And uh, Isaiah chapter 9, many of you are going to realize that's Christmas message. Well, it's August. It's been a cold front, and, and uh, I mean, you know, my goodness. I, I want to keep it stoked. I want to keep it going. Amen? And I want to tell you, I was completely surprised by the video this morning. I mean, completely surprised. How my wife did that without me knowing about that is beyond me. Uh, <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you, <laughs> that's all I can tell you is I thank God that she made, well, I just thank God she was in that video. I just praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, also this morning, don't forget, we, we, if you have the app, you can flip on our app and hit that thing that says sermon notes and you can get the sermon notes of today. Now that doesn't mean you can go to sleep uh, during the sermon. We only let two or three do that, <laughs> and we've already got our quota up there, so you don't, you don't need to be doing that, but, but it's there, or you can go home on the website and, and click on that, and somewhere it's on there too. So Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 6, would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born... Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Father, thank you this morning how we've been blessed, Lord, to hear your word in music and to just fellowship together. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, would you let us not think of anything in our minds and our hearts except you and what the Holy Spirit has for us this morning. You have your way in every one of our hearts. And Lord, we'll praise you and give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Isaiah gave this prophecy here seven centuries, 700 years before it actually took place. It reminds me of the fact that God sees the future, God plans the future, and I want to tell you folks, God controls the future. Don't be weary, God's in control of this future. It's described to the smallest details here, the birth in verse 6, and then it's talking about the second coming in verse 7. Isaiah quoted more than any other Old Testament uh, prophet. Uh, Jesus quoted him many times. The birth of Jesus is quoted in Isaiah. The death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus. God has a plan for the ages, and God's right on time. He's not late. You may think he's late, but he's not late. He's right on time. Now let me give you three things here this morning. We're through. Number one, Jesus is a wonderful gift. In fact, he's not just a wonderful gift. He's more than wonderful. More than wonderful. A child is born, the Bible says. It speaks of the humanity of Christ. 
the human side of Jesus. God became flesh and he dwelt among us. He functioned as a human being. He lived as a human being. I told the folk over at Arabella earlier this morning as I was preaching, we've come to the age where if it don't hurt, that means it probably don't work. But I want to tell you, Jesus knows what it's like to have a body that aches. Jesus knows what it's like to bleed. He knows what it's like to be thirsty. He knew what it was like to literally be weary and to weep and to walk in the body of a real man. That's the miracle of the incarnation, that 2,000 years ago, God left heaven and came to earth. That's the miracle. So when I pray to Jesus in his, in his resurrection body, and I'm weeping, he says, I know just what you're talking about, son. When I pray and I say, Lord, I'm, I'm rejected. Nobody's listening. I know just what you're talking about, son. Well, Lord, I, I'm lonely and I'm frustrated. I know just what you're talking about, son. I'm forsaken. I know just what you, everything I ever feel, he's already felt. He's already come before me. Lots of cults get mixed up here. They say because he's the son of God, that means God made him. No, that's, that's not what that means. He is God. He's fully God. He's divinely fully God, yet he's fully man. I'm my father's son. I'm made of the same stuff. Uh, son of God is the position here, and he's made of the same stuff as the Father. He was born of a virgin. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was a word, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He literally is part of the Father. He's absolutely divine. And the more than wonderful thing is, is that Christ is God come in human flesh. Now, this makes it even more than wonderful because, you see, unto us a son is born, unto us a child is given. Now, what does that mean for me? That means that as a child of God, I possess the Son of God. He's living in me. That means Jesus, uh, when, when he, <laughs> woo, he went through birth. He went through life, he went through death, he went through the crucifixion, he went through the ascension, and he's living in me. That's more than wonderful. Now, salvation is a free gift. We know that. Baptists have this down. Well, I mean, we've got it down. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We got all that down. We realize that. You can't earn it, you can't work for it, you can't buy it. It's only through grace. It's a free gift. But you, the problem we've got is we understand that we're saved by grace. But the problem we got is we can't get fathom this thing that we must live by grace. My daddy used to say it like this. You dance with the one who brung you. And I want to tell you, if you got saved by the grace of God, you need to live by the grace of God. That's what he's saying here. We, we don't, we somehow or another, you say, well, how did we not get it? Well, I won't tell you what happened to me. I read something somewhere and I got tainted. Legalism crept into my life. And I thought I'd become somebody, something I heard, something I read. And if we're not careful now, I know, I'm, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but some of you are not in the choir. You ought to be, but you're not. If we're not careful, we become performance-based Christians. In other words, if you do good, then we're going to think you're a Christian. 
You come to church enough, we're going to think you're a Christian. I've had it. I mean, some of the meanest people I've had, I go to bury them. They say, well, they were always at church. Well, bless God, it didn't do a whole lot for them. <laughs> See, we're, we're thinking you've got to perform in order to be accepted. Listen, my kids used to love to go to the arcade games. We didn't have a lot of money, but I guarantee you if I'd have had $10,000, Jason, especially, would have sat there at those arcade games and played those games until every dime was gone. But there's one of those arcade games. <laughs> you have a, a, like a little hammer in your hand with a little big old puff at the end, and this little thing pops up, and you, bam! And he pops up over here, and bam! You know, and that's what a lot of people think God's like. Didn't read your devotions? Pow! Didn't pray, pow. Didn't witness, pow. And everything we're not doing, God just got a sledgehammer up there ready to pow us. I want to tell you, that's not the God we serve. That's not the God we serve. I got some good news for you today. Ephesians 1 says that we are accepted in the beloved. We're accepted. There's, it has nothing to do with your performance. You perform all you want to. We need to perform, but not in that word perform is not the word I'm wanting to use. We need to serve and do for the Lord, but that ought to be an overflow of our salvation and not a way to get our salvation. It must come that way. As a child of God, you will be, listen to me now, you'll be more holy, you'll live a purer life if you'll stop trying to measure up to a bunch of man-made situations. And just please the King of kings and Lord of lords. Hmm. Jesus is in you. Your acceptance is not based on your human performance. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'll tell you what I'm saying. I'll just be straight with you. If you're wearing a pantsuit this morning to church, you're not going to go to hell for it. If your hair is too long, you're not going to go to hell for it. If somebody clapped in church, bless God, they're not going to hell for it. If somebody beat on a drum, they're not going to hell for it. God forbid that you watch a TV program or that you actually enjoyed yourself. I mean, you're enjoying church. Pow! Don't be enjoying church. I mean, the Word of God says, I came that you might be miserable. I want you to be angry. I want you to be sour. I want you to be sad. I want you to make a list and check it twice and find out who's naughty and not. That's somebody else that ain't Jesus. All right? That's not the God we serve. Well, he's a wonderful gift. Let me, let me tell you this, too. He's got a wonderful name. We talked a little bit about this Wednesday night, but... Uh, and. and I don't know where I messed up or what. I'm trying to do things on Wednesday and Sunday both at different things, but somehow they overlap. Uh, but anyway, he's got a wonderful name. Uh, some translations will put a comma after wonderful. Some don't. Uh, I really think there's a, 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 it's wonderful and then a comma. And I think that's the way it ought to be. I think he's a wonderful counselor. I think he's a wonderful mighty God. I think he's a wonderful everlasting father. I think he's a wonderful prince of peace. Names were revelations. They were very important. That's why thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? Because he'll save his people from their sin. God changed the names of people. in Simon over to Peter. Jacob over to Israel. 
God changed no other name given among men whereby we must be saved in the name of Jesus. Wow, it's a wonderful name. He's a wonderful counselor. I'm talking to some folks that need some counseling this morning. Have you ever thought about going to the great counselor? Now listen, don't, don't you leave here and say, Brother Charles said we ought not to go to counselors. That's not what I said. That is not what, I'm all for counselors. I'm all for them, 100%. I'm just saying, instead of us running all over town trying to find out what some man thinks we ought to do, why don't we go to the Word of God and find out what God said we ought to do? I mean, he's the great counselor. Why is he a good counselor? Well, I'll tell you, he's sympathetic. You'll never find anybody more sympathetic. I guarantee you, you're not as sympathetic as God is. Isn't it amazing to me? It almost looks to me like that, that the more people experience grace, the meaner they get. And I'm thinking, I remember when you was down in the mud and everybody prayed for you and encouraged you. Nail them. They're down in the mud. They're living in sin. Get rid of them. I thought, that wasn't extended to you. God is a sympathizing counselor. Now, everybody's not like that. Husband, look over at your wife and say, it wouldn't hurt you to be a little bit more like that. (laughs) Amen. Wife, do the same. He's sympathetic. He's compassionate. I've never called on the Lord when he said, look, I can't do it. I I, I got to turn you. I wish I could. I really wish I could help you, but I can't. He's compassionate. He's always there. He's very patient. (laughs) Patience. That's not one of my virtues. I I mean, I've got patience. I just want it right now. (laughs) And I'll tell you what, you pray for patience all you want to. I done figured out in the Bible how patience comes. And I can just tell you right now, I don't need patience. You just have to deal with me the way I am. Amen? Don't pull out in front of me. (laughs) He's sympathetic. He's compassionate. He's patient. And now listen. He's all wise. See, sometimes as human beings, it's not that sometimes we think we know what other people need, but the truth is we don't even know what we need. But I'll tell you, our great counselor knows what we need. (laughs) He knows the future. He plans the future. Let Let me tell you something else about our counselor. He knows what your baggage is. You know that baggage that you hid back in the back that nobody knows anything about? He knows about it. You say, I've been married 40 years and nobody knows it. Oh, yeah. Our great counselor knows it. And he still loves you. (laughs) Mm. He understands all the present events. He knows what's going to happen in the future. Are you telling me, preacher, that I can go to him And I can confess all my needs to him, and he'll speak to me through his word. That's exactly what I'm telling you. That's exactly. When when you bring a need to him, he's all-powerful. He can meet the need. You you know, I I, I do counseling, and especially simple counseling, and I help people all I can. But I, I don't, that's not one of my fortes. When I started in the ministry 46 years ago, people would come for counseling and they'd have one problem or two problems. 
It ain't like that now. It's like a mini-series. <laughs> I mean, you, it's like putting, it's like putting bubble gum on the Titanic trying to keep the thing afloat. I mean, every time you saw one, there's another one, and there's another one, and there's another one. And I'm just telling you, he's the great counselor. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. But I'm going to tell you something this morning. I've got a God who can put your marriage back together. I've got a God who can restore your right mind. I've got a God who can restore your health. He's a wonderful counselor. But he's also wonderful in that he is a mighty God. It, it means he saves completely. Hebrews says it like this. He, we're saved to the uttermost. <laughs> what, what, what does that mean? That means he doesn't just get us out of hell. He gets the hell out of us. Amen. Amen? That's what that means. He, he begins to get all of the junk in us and to change us into the likeness of his son. And he has the power. I'm going to tell you, whoo, have mercy. He has the power when you breathe your last breath to reach down and snatch your soul and sling it on the gates of heaven. He's got that power. Mighty God. And he rules over every area of our life. He's the everlasting father. In the Hebrew, it means he's the father of forever. The word for father used here is the author, the originator, or the possessor of forever. He is the forever. Jesus has always been. He is now. He will always be. There's never a moment that he's not there with you. There's never a time in anything you'll face in your life that he won't be right there forever. Forever in the past, forever in the right now, forever in the future. He wants to bless the saints. He wants to save the lost. If you're in the valley, there he is. If you're in the fiery furnace, there he is. If you're on top of the mountain, there he is. If you're in church, there he is. If you're in school, there he is. If you're in the hospital room, there he is. If you're hooked up to dialysis, there he is. You won't ever be anywhere where he's not. Never a moment. That'd make a backslidden Episcopalian want to shout. Never a moment will you be without Jesus. And then he's wonderful that he's the Prince of Peace. Jesus imparts peace. It's a gift. The Hebrew word shalom. Not only does though he impart peace, but he maintains peace. When I rest my cares upon him, he gives me peace. And then he perfects that peace. He gives peace, imparts peace, he maintains a peace, and then he perfects that peace in the life of his children. The Word of God said, blessed are the peacemakers. It's not blessed are the cranks. It's not blessed are the troublemakers. God never called anybody to be a troublemaker. God never called anybody to go through life pulling people apart or pulling them down. God has called us to a ministry of reconciliation. God is up here as a holy God, and we're down here as a sinful man. And God is using us as a reconciliation means through Jesus Christ and the cross of Christ. Now, you don't compromise the gospel. But the true gospel reconciles a lost person to a holy God. That's how you get there. He imparts peace in me. 
He maintains peace in me. He perfects peace in me. I go around sharing the gospel of peace. He's the prince of peace. I'm a minister of peace. And bless God, I've got peace. It all comes through him. He's more than wonderful. Let me give you this last thing here, and I'm through. He's more than wonderful because he gives a wonderful prophecy. I've read these verses, my goodness, hundreds of times. But I never saw one of the truths that's here. (laughs) I mean, it's just like, I know you read the Word of God and it's fresh. and Boy, it's exciting. I'm so blessed. I'm fired up. I'm excited. This thing puts some unction in your gumption so that you can function, function, function. That's one of them old courses we had years ago. Amen? I got the unction in my gun. Okay. Yeah. Now, of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. I love this. The Bible promises the kingdom of God is coming. It's not a, it might come. It is coming. I, I tell you, the government shall be upon his shoulder. Have you thought about what that's going to be like when he takes over this earth? When literally the millennium is here and he creates a new heaven and earth and the devil is bound, you say, what's that got to do for me today? I'll tell you what it does for me. It helps me to understand this chaotic mess that we're living here ain't going to be forever. This thing coming to an end. And there's nothing you can do to stop the kingdom of God from being established. Because he's going to establish it. My efforts, listen to me, my efforts to spread the gospel is not in vain. The gospel is going to take root. Someday in the future, God is going to finish what he started because God don't have finished anything. So it brings me to the most exciting thing. It's a promise. That's one thing to make a promise. You ever make a promise you knew good and well you couldn't keep? Like the Texas Rangers this year, we will win the playoffs. (laughs) Somebody spoke out of turn. It's one thing to make a promise. But I want to tell you, when he makes a promise, he'll keep the promise. Jesus is coming. The devil's going to be bound. There's going to be no more wars. The beast is going to be locked in hell. The lion's going to lay down with the lamb. We're going to beat our swords into plowshares. And the last part of verse 7 is the part I, I, I just have missed it. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Wow. Now the Lord of hosts is the Lord Jesus. <laughs> His kingdom It means something to me right now. It it, it means the existence of his kingdom. And I want to tell you what else. When you begin to diagnose this, the zeal, that word zeal is a, a word that means an intense passion of desire for the accomplishment of some purpose. Jesus has a passionate desire for our well-being. Wow. Your safety is his priority. He's passionate. He's got an overwhelming desire to keep you from the evil one. You're not going through the wrath of the Antichrist. Not if you're saved. To protect you from the devil's destruction. To make sure you have victory and to supply your every need. 
I was thinking about trying to, what would be a good illustration of zeal? <laughs> and I was watching a football game yesterday afternoon. <clears throat> and I look across a crowd. And here's, I think it was, I don't know, it was seven men or eight men. Didn't have no shirts on. Old gut pot belly sticking out. And they had a letter painted here. And at a certain time, they'd all jump up. <laughs> oh, that's zeal. Amen? And then I looked through that crowd, and there was a sophisticated lady, sharp, intelligent. You could tell. She would drink her tea with her pinky up. And she had half her face painted one color, and half her face painted the other color. Huh? <laughs> that's zeal. Huh? I'm just telling you, that, that's, I'm talking zeal. I'm talking passion with a purpose to bring something intended to pass. He has a zeal to take care of our every need. You need a job? Go to him. Go to him. You need to pay your bills? Tell him you need to pay your bills. Line them out and pray for them. You say, no, uh, that means I don't have to work? No, no. I don't want to make you all mad, so I've not, I've not said a word. I've not said a word on Facebook. Those of you who want to be blessed, say amen to this. I want to say, those of you who want to be blessed, get a job. If you want money tomorrow, get a job today if there's a payday coming. Amen. But I'm telling you as a child of God, sometimes we get backed in the corner and we can pray. We can say, Lord, I need a job. I need a better job. I need my health restored. He is the father of forever. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, the father of forever to bless his people, to save his people, and to bring his kingdom to pass. To meet their physical needs. I, I just, I believe with all my heart, Jesus has a zeal to put bread on your table and to put water in your bottle or iced tea. I don't know what you, you better not be drinking anything stronger than that. <laughs> you know, the bottom thing, <laughs> I was reading this morning, I was trying to, I said, Lord, I need some kind of illustration and I couldn't find it. I just don't, I don't have it. Just sermons like baloney, just chop it off. The closest illustration I found of this was the old boy that was, knew he was dying. He told his wife, he said, you go in there and take that third brick off the fireplace. There's a mason jar back in there full of cash. He said, if you'll take that and put it up in the attic, on my way up, I'll take it. She did. He died. After the funeral, she went back and looked, and there it was. She said, I knew I should have put it in the basement. <laughs> Let me tell you the great news this morning. The great news this morning is that we've got a Jesus that's on fire. Not half-heartedly, but wholeheartedly. Whole hog, sold out, passionate, zealous. 
to bless our soul, to save us, to bless us, and to come again for us. What, what more in life could you want? If you're here this morning and you don't know that wonderful Savior, you've got an opportunity. You say, preacher, I don't understand all this stuff. I don't understand a lot of it either. But I do know this, that if you come to him in a broken heart and a broken spirit and say, Lord, I've sinned and I can't save myself, would you save me? Would you come into my life and be Lord of my life? According to Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, it sounds easy when you're talking it, but I'm going to tell you it's not that easy. It, repentance is a turning away. Don't think you can sashay down this aisle and say, well, I want to be saved. I don't want to go to hell. I want to be saved. And then go on and live any way you want to. That's not salvation. Listen, what a wonderful change. Gracie put it on her thing this week. What a wonderful change in my life has been made since Jesus came into my heart. I want to tell you, he'll change your mind. He'll change your attitude. He'll change your spirit. He'll change everything about you. But you know what? Maybe there's somebody here this morning who would say, Preacher, I got changed like that, and I want to tell you, I've been sick of it ever since. I've never talked to anybody like that. I've talked to untold numbers that said, Boy, I wish I'd have done this 20 years ago. Man, I wish I'd have been saved when I was a kid. Boy, all I'm saying is, don't wait another day. Come to Jesus now. You need a church home? Hey, you can put your hands to the plow right here. I don't think you're going to sashay in here and sit on a bench and do nothing. We got something for you to do. Amen? We believe Jesus is coming soon. If he's coming soon, don't you think we ought to be doing everything we can to reach people? Lord, we're grateful today. How we've been blessed in the music.